get the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown, backing up traffic all the way to town. Camo hat and a farmer's tan. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Well, welcome to episode 44 of Fast Line Fast Track from Commodity Classic 2020 in San Antonio, Texas. We're awful glad you're here. On this episode, we'll hear from U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, who gave the keynote address at the show and then took time with the media. We'll also hear from National Corn Yield and Corn Warriors Season 3 champion David Hula, and from Michael Musselman with Lomu Tech, the developers of the soy-based seed lubricant simply called Dust. And then we'll take you back a few weeks to the National Farm Machinery Show held in Louisville in February. We'll hear from Deutsche Spar's Andrew Winkles and Needham Ag Services' Bill Needham. Finally, we'll take you to Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee for the music of traditional country music star Richard Lynch, who has some new music that's rapidly climbing the country charts. You won't want to miss a moment of it. Let's go! Well, first up this week, while at Commodity Classic 2020, we heard from U.S. Ag Secretary Sonny Perdue, who gave the keynote address. In that speech, he mentioned the prospects of expanded international trade, the ongoing need for broadband internet expansion in rural America, and the need for farmers and ranchers to do a better job of telling the story of the strength of American agriculture. After his speech, he met with the media to answer questions about the pressing topics of the day. He first answered a question in regards to a review of the USDA's market facilitation program, which has provided aid to farmers in the wake of trade disruption. I think uh, the groups out there in the audience and their lenders particularly have told me all over the country how important it was. It's uh, literally changed the color of some bottom lines, certainly, when we look at the numbers overall of what it contributed to farm income in 18 and 19. We know that was significant. Uh, Look, these have been tough years. Uh, Aside from disasters, they've been tough years. Uh, The prevented plant acres of last year from 20 million, uh, and then the trade disruption, retaliation there, uh, not being able to market their crops, uh, backing up over elevators, and then even quality problems that have contributed. Uh, I think everyone has uh, valued and appreciated the market facilitation program. It's, uh, it's like everybody, you know, it's, it's like an artist. So maybe everybody may paint that differently. I can tell you sincerely, uh, I asked our economist to calculate the trade disruption damage the best he could across all sectors and did with disregard for region or crop or anything like that and tell me where those numbers were. I didn't try to push my finger on the scale in any way to do that, and that's what came out. We did 18, and we heard some, uh, uh, obviously, some legitimate type of concerns among commodities over the pricing over there. They were based on trade damage of what we had been exporting that uh, we're unable to again. We, uh, we changed that program in 19 to more of a per acre. Uh, I hear some uh, people talk about favoring one region or one part of the country over there, favoring large versus small. If you look on the per acre calculations, I think uh, the uh, the small farmers under uh, under 100 acres got about uh, I think $55 per acre average, and the larger farmers got like 47. So based on those payment limitations, regionally it, it depended on the the value of the crop in many ways, and. Uh, we have all the facts and evidence about that, and we did the very best we could. We think generally it's been very much accepted and appreciated. I'm very grateful to the president that he allowed, in fact, 
when uh, the Chinese talks broke down last in April, late April, early May of 19, he called me early that next morning and said it looks like the trade deal we were hoping to get is not going to be coming for a while, so bring me a program that uh, can support our farmers and help to mitigate their, their damages uh, over 19. We did that, so that's where we are. Purdue then was asked about the court case and ongoing controversy with retroactive small refinery waivers issued by the EPA. The waivers were met with strong opposition from the National Biodiesel Board, soybean growers, and other industry stakeholders. In the recent case, the court ruled that the EPA went beyond its statutory authority in granting three specific waivers for the 2016 compliance period. Yes, we've uh, we've got the Tenth Circuit uh, opinion, which I thought was very favorable and uh, what many people in agriculture had uh, had uh, feared had happened. The, uh, uh, when the courts uh, back in the other case said that they'd been too constricted, this was the same court that did that, then came to realize the statute said these exemptions had to have been ongoing. You know, extending an exemption doesn't mean starting a new one. It means extending them. That's what the court case said. So we think it's going to limit the number of small refinery waivers extensively, and uh, we think that's where the policy is heading for the White House. We were hoping to have an announcement uh, even today about that, and uh, uh, they want to just make sure they get it right, not fast in that regard. But I think that's based, as I understand the court case, that's uh, that's exactly what has to happen. The uh, the two uh, the refinery waivers there were in that Tenth Circuit, so... Uh, I think again, it implies it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a protocol for year, uh, nationally, and 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 uh, implemented that way. So that's what we expect. The other thing, though, but the president, as you know, had already committed before that Tenth Circuit decision that uh, the 15 billion gallon statute is going to be 15 billion gallon, and if we had. Uh, any kind of waivers estimated on that, then the top line was going to be that plus 15. So if you got 500 you're going to extend, it was going to be 15.5 minus the 500 being 15 anyway. So it may be a moot point uh, uh, regardless of that. We do expect the uh, the previous ACE case that was 500 million gallons from previously there, we do expect that to be uh, uh, added into the equation as well for this year. The secretary then was asked about a statement he made regarding corn producers growing for the market, despite some projections showing producers might lose money per acre growing corn. Well, it's challenging. Obviously, that's what farming's all about. If you look at the price history, I've asked our support, uh, economists to look at. Uh, uh, we're giving you some averages on from ninety to two thousand, from two thousand on. What we've gotten used to in the in agriculture is look at the profitability of agriculture based on those years from nine to fourteen, and that's what we like to think is normal. Uh, I've been in agriculture a long time; it wasn't normal for me. Those were career high years in nine to fourteen. I'd love to return to them, and I think at some point with this growing need globally, we can return there. But uh, that's what we think is there. We're we're projecting farm income to be up above the average of the of the thirty year average in that way this year. So that's the that's the challenge. Obviously, some are more efficient than others, and uh, but it's tough out there. I'm not I'm not trying to uh, you know sugarcoat the fact that farming is not in a in a gloriously overly profitable uh, period right now. So I hear the question and. Uh, Farmers do what they always done, and that's going to do the best with what they've got out there and what they're given from the market perspective. 
Well, one of the highlights of Commodity Classic 2020 was the coronation of Corn Warriors Season 3 champion David Hula, who was also the National Corn Yield Champion for the 2019 growing season with a world record yield of 616 bushels per acre. A special thanks to Corn Warriors creator and executive producer Seth Wood for his hospitality at the coronation ceremony, which was presented by Corteva AgroSciences Pioneer Seeds brand. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from Commodity Classic 2020, Brent Adams along with the 2020 National Corn Growing Champion, David Hula. David, congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah, out from uh, Charles City, Virginia, and, you know, we were blessed with some good weather, but we had some great genetics of Pioneer 1197. Uh, and, uh, man, what goes into this from, from start to finish uh, before the planting season even starts? Uh, tell me about the, the logistics of it, how, how much you stay awake at night thinking about how you're going to attack this, and then how do you go and attack it? Well, if you could just be inside my brain, you'd see that it's just running all the time. And, you know, I don't know how much time we got here, but it could be hours. But from start to finish, you know, we're fertilizing not only the soil, but we're fertilizing uh, or feeding the bugs below ground. We're doing a great seed bed preparation with a Soil Warrior strip-till rig. We plant with a, a great planter in that we are trying to focus on uniform emergence, not stand, but we want the corn to come up within so many GDUs of each other. And then we just make sure that corn doesn't have a bad day. And if it does have a bad day, we know we're losing yield. And then we just adjust their yield goal. And then with irrigation and sunlight, good Lord shining us, we just keep putting in the nutrients and applications. And this past year, we had great success. So when you look at that number on on paper, 616 bushels per acre, man, what, what do you think? I'm like, several years ago, I was like, that's going to be a good one. Somebody's going to break 600, but it's going to come from a different environment than mine. But that was just, well, first of all, it was like almost shocking that it even happened. And then you just want to share it because now we know what the potential is for corn. And, you know, if the country averaged 170 bushels and we know yields at least 600 plus, we got a long way to go. So the TV show Corn Warriors, what has that meant to your life? Well, the idea of having an opportunity to share information with growers and then just to see where young kids are looking at things like that outside of some of the other shows, just uh, be able to network with those and help families become more excited about uh, you know, a job that we do to feed the world. And now we see a lot of playful jabbing back and forth there, and we see the, the dramatics on the show, but what, what's the relationship with like with these guys, and how has the feedback that they have provided helped you? Oh, just from just knowing these guys from years ago, and, you know, like Randy Daly just had a, you know, we have a great relationship. I remember when he first started farming, or maybe a couple of years after that, and we got introduced, and then, then being on the show, you know, we too have similar values and just that idea to work with farmers just to share information like we do with the next level and then here we're doing it on the tv show so now we're staring down the barrel of 2020 what's up for you now well i always like to say duplicate what you did then you've become a better student of the crop so i would love to see 500 or 600 bushel corn again but we just don't know what's in store for us Whatever the good Lord brings, you'll take it, huh? Oh, I will. And, you know, don't ever blame the weather. Just deal with what we have. Yeah.
Well, congratulations, man. We're really excited for you and uh, can't wait to see what you do next. Yeah, thank you very much. And for those listeners, let's be safe in 2020. Finally, this week from Commodity Classic, we spent some time with Michael Musselman with Low Moo Tech, the maker of Dust, a soy-based seed lubricant created as a replacement for graphite and talc. It's been a project of the United Soybean Board since 2015 and in 2017 was part of a USB-funded study of dust performance conducted by Kansas State University in which it was proven to outperform several standard planter lubricants. So, Michael, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thanks for having us on, and uh, it's a great show here uh, also at the Commodity Classic, and we appreciate the uh, chance to visit with you. So we talked about uh, one of your distributors, SI Distributing, uh, out of Ohio that, that carries this product, uh, and we talked a bit about the product, but, but tell us about the genesis of dust. So uh, my business partner, Brian Tully, started in 2011, uh, as a result of uh, being concerned and upset with how dirty that talc and graphite are uh, when planting. So he, um, he decided to set out on a journey to see if we could find something that's uh, able to replace that. And uh, over time settled on a soy protein and lecithin type of product that uh, is gone within 28 days uh, in the soil from when it's planted. And it does the job of what those, uh, those materials do, but it's cleaner, it's safer, and it's 100% soy. So how long did it take you guys from uh, concept to actual production? Yeah, so uh, last October, uh, October 1st, we got the uh, patent on the product. Um, Brian had spent six to seven years using it in the field. And uh, last year was the main commercial release about uh, spring, last spring in 2019. And uh, previous to that, he'd had, for several years, a group of farmers testing and using it. So it's pretty much second year out the gate here. And what are the early returns? Yeah, it's been great. Um, there, you know, there's people that really have said to us now that there's an alternative. They'll actually talk about how they hate the other products or despise, and they use those strong words. And we probably didn't realize that there was that much um, problems in terms of the cleanliness, health, and safety aspects. And, and so um, one of the greatest uh, compliments is when someone calls and says, hey, I can now use this product. I don't have to get medicine to use these other products that I'm allergic to. Thanks for bringing this out. So it's been uh, very uh, heartwarming for that. So are they coming to you with different applications that maybe you didn't even consider? You know, uh, we knew there was applications in agriculture. Uh, this product type of product is probably used on 90% of the acres that are planted because you need to lubricate the seed to flow in the meters and in the planters. And uh, really, uh, talc and graphite have been around for 20 and 40 years. And um, a mixture of those has been out for about 12 years. And so there's just not a lot of products out there. And so when we are getting some people saying, what about this, what about that, and have you thought about this? And the other area of interest is the introduction of microbials into it. And we're getting a lot of interest for potential products for that. So if folks want to know more about Lomutech and about dust, where do they go? Yeah, great. Just go to lomutech.com on the web or call us at one 844 get dust and that's low l-o-w mu m-u tech.com we've been speaking with michael musselman and michael we thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on fast line fast track 
My pleasure. Thank you. We'll have more next week on episode 45 from Commodity Classic in San Antonio. But up next, we revisit the 2020 National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, where we spend some time with Andrew Winkles of Deutz Farr America, a division of German farm equipment maker Deutz Farr. The company has expanded its dealer network in the United States in recent years, and its product lineup, prominently placed inside the doors of South Wing B at the Kentucky Exposition Center, turned many heads at the show. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm with Andrew Winkles with Deutz Farr. And Andrew, you got a beautiful-looking machine here behind us. Tell us about it. Yeah, so new for uh, 2020, we've got our 5080D key line. Um, new cab come out on it. Uh, it's a 25 mile an hour capable tractor. Comes out at 75 rated horsepower uh, with 80 gross horsepower. Uh, a couple of the really attractive things about this tractor, it's a very mechanical, straightforward tractor, uh, built-in front brakes. Uh, and on top of that, we're able to bring it into the market with no DPF or SCR, uh, so you don't have to worry about regen on this product. So you and I have been talking for the last couple of years, and since then, the, this product line keeps expanding, and a lot of exciting stuff going on. Catch me up with what's going on with Deutsch Farr here in America. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been steadily expanding our dealer network over the last two years, uh, which has been a really important part, obviously, of, of growing the brand. And uh, simultaneously with that, uh, from our five factories around the world, uh, we're really expanding our product range as well into the American market. Where do you see your company making the most inroads in terms of client base? Uh, we really suit the hay and forage livestock market very well. Um, on our larger end of our range, we also do a lot of uh, high-speed product, uh, so roading, wagons, triple mowers, that kind of stuff, um, because our, our largest tractor will go up to 40 miles an hour. So what's on the horizon for you guys? Uh, we'll have a couple new products coming out at the uh, the end of the year. Um, again, this year we're going to be adding a number of dealers, uh, some in states that we haven't been in yet, and some filling in uh, gaps we have in existing states. So quite a bit of growth is on our horizon. Andrew, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. and looking forward to catching up with you down the road. Thank you all. It's good to see you. Well, next up at the National Farm Machinery Show, I had a chance to spend some time with a man widely considered to be one of the most knowledgeable agronomists on the subject of no-till wheat farming, Phil Needham of Needham Ag Technologies. Each year, he conducts between 60 and 70 intensive wheat management seminars across the United States and abroad. He took some time out at the National Farm Machinery Show to share some of his insights and tell us a bit about his Calhoun, Kentucky-based business. Phil, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Good morning. How's everything going? Oh, it's going great. Just a, just an incredible show. And you guys uh, have been a longtime exhibitor here and some great stuff. Tell us about what uh, you got in the booth here. So I'm with Needham Ag Technologies, and I'm originally brought over to, over to this country from England, came over as an agronomist in 1989. So I was instrumental starting an intensive wheat management program in this country. And in 2006, we started our own company, Needham Ag. And we still do the agronomy work, especially focused with wheat. But what we also do now is we, we have an offering of different drill and planter attachments to help guys equip and improve their seeding equipment, especially some of the John Deere and the Case IH single disc drills like the John Deere 1890 or the John Deere 750 or the Case 500. So we've got a number of products here today that we're showcasing that's going to improve cutting residue, especially if you no-till, getting the seeds into the seed slot, getting the seed slot closed. So we've got a lot of innovative offerings to help growers in those regards. Tell us uh, about what we're standing in front of right here. So right now we're standing in front of a John Deere single disc opener display. 
and we've got all of the moving or wearing parts on this particular opener for sale. Everything from gauge wheels with spokes and urethane tires to eliminate some of the mudding up issues that growers often see further north. We've got highly durable urethane tires on the gauge wheels, which are much more durable than rubber. Uh, we've got innovative firming wheels that do a better job pressing seeds into the bottom of the seed slot, better closing systems, in addition to all of the pivots and bushings and springs. So if you've got a John Deere drill like a 750 or a 1590 or an air seeder like an 1850 or an 1890, we've got most of the wearing parts, soil engaging parts and wearing parts both for those drills and air seeders. And most of them are priced competitively or less than the John Deere parts. And most of them have much longer life, especially the urethane parts that we sell. So another part of your business you've got going on, high performance flail mowers, excavators, skid steer loaders, and tractors. Yeah, so the background behind that, we're a seasonal business. Most of our part sales is September, October, all the way through April, May, depending on the year and the rainfall. So we wonder if the phone's been disconnected in mid-May or early June. So we wanted something just to keep our people busy, something to keep everybody busy through the summer months. And we figured a, a, a range of, of mowers would be something to perhaps fit that niche. So what we've got now is a range of flail mowers from light duty ones for mini excavators all the way through to heavier mulchers for larger excavators in addition to skid steer loaders. Then we've got a set for three-point mounted uh, tractors also up to about 70 or 80 horsepower. So we've got a, a pretty wide range of mulches and mowers for helping clean up tree lines, ditch bank. You know, if you're trying to clean up around farms with trees around the outside of the fields, you know, a lot of guys can get another 10 or 20 or 30 feet more if they clean them limbs back and Obviously, it saves them limbs, limbs hanging over equipment and driving around them. So just another product line that we've recently introduced that's, uh, that's been pretty well received here at the Farm Machinery Show. Excellent. So folks want to know more about what you've got going on. Where do they go to find out? Probably the best source is needhamag.com. So my last name, Needham, and then ag.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook both, so uh, needamag.com or Facebook or Twitter. Phil, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Finally this week, we want to take you to Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee for the music of traditional country music star Richard Lynch, who also doubles as an Ohio farmer. Richard's new single, Back in 1953, is one of the fastest rising songs on the indie music singles chart, keeping company with the likes of Jake Owen, Garth Brooks and Blake Shelton, Kelsey Ballerini and Gabby Barrett. I can't wait for you to meet Richard Lynch and hear some of his awesome traditional country music in this session presented by the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway in downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from Hank Snow's legendary Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee. Now it's my distinct honor and privilege to bring in Richard Lynch. Richard, welcome in. Well, thank you for having me. I sure appreciate being here. Richard is one of the great traditional country artists out there, still uh, doing that genre of music proud, and, and we love it, and I can't wait to bring it to you. R Richard's a uh, Ohio resident, but spends a lot of his time in the Nashville, Tennessee area. 
yet, but uh, more importantly, in Ohio, he's a farmer. Tell us a bit about your farm there. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for having me. Uh, you're welcome. Hey, I, I grew up on an agricultural way of life, and uh, all my all my life I've been in and around the, the farming way of life. You know, we we know a little about pitchforks, baling hay, and cleaning stalls, and <laughs> taking care of the horses and donkeys. And uh, we got a we got a little twist to our agricultural way of life. We have a uh, a barn that we build that we keep and bring traditional country music to our barn mm. every well three four or five times a year it's such a such a lot of fun uh-huh. just a great time and uh, mo- most recently you had uh, uh, Ronnie McDowell there for- we had Ronnie McDowell with us New Year's Eve you know we, we try to schedule our shows at the farm when it's warm weather and I, I try to convince my guys you know to help me load this hay and bale the hay but <laughs> so far that's not worked out real good for me <laughs> keep trying I guess <laughs> T.G. Shepard said Richard uh, I, I think I'm going to pass on the hay baling. I said, okay, you can just sing then, T.G. <laughs> you might have to start reaching out to some of the up-and-coming artists yeah. that haven't caught on to that yet. Yeah, if they ain't got a clue what, what I get them into, they might, we might be able to get them into it one, once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> so Waynesville, Ohio is where you're at. And I should say, more importantly, a Fastline subscriber. Absolutely. We get the Fastline every month. And thank you for that. Oh, my goodness. I tell my wife, I said, this is my wish list, honey. You know, I'm going to circle this three or four things. Year and <laughs> hey, Bynes, hey, De- you know, <laughs> oh man, we, we love it. So, you're doing so much, you're still touring quite a bit, and you've got a, uh, a TV show traditionally Lynch that you're doing, a yeah. little TV action. You know, in all honesty, I'm a lucky guy. I get to do what I love. You know, I grew up in a household where country music was a way of life, and by that, I mean my dad was an incredible singer, guitar player, entertainer all over the tri-state area, Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana. And uh, I knew at a young age that's something that I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, um, the first time I got to see my dad perform, I was eight years old. And, you know, as a kid, I'm always beating and bombing around the house and singing with Dad while he's on the porch singing or whatever. But the first time I got to see him perform in a live environment, he was doing a show, an opening act, with a guy named Porter Wagner. <laughs> and... Uh, I'll never forget this. You know, I was eight, and I had no idea, but my dad pointed down to my mom and said, hey, send Richard up here on the stage with me. Now, here I am all big-eyed looking at this guy I watch on television every weekend, old Porter Wagner. I'm on the same stage with my dad and Porter Wagner. Wow. And I got up and did an old Buck Owens song. I got a tiger by the oh, tail. Yeah. And uh, I was bit pretty hard at that point right there. So that's incredible. So where did your career go from there? How did you get down the road to where you're at now? Well, you know, just dedication and, and perseverance. We we love what we do. I mentioned it earlier, but you know, people are was wanting me to you know, record and and do a lot of things because I played the nightclub circuit six nights a week for 25 years, maybe even longer. And, you know, that's not really available right now because times have changed. But in the 80s and 90s, we, we sang and played the honky-tonks every night. And so we had established a pretty good following in the, in the tri-state area. And really, I had never recorded anything. So I finally got in the studio and we started re- recording some of my own music. 
And uh, I've discovered that some folks like my music. So, <laughs> <laughs> and he's being a little bit modest there. I mean, we're we're talking uh, thirty we- thirty six weeks at number one on the Roots Radio Report chart, uh, six number one hits on the Indie World chart. He's won uh, Josie Awards, which is for uh, for independent artists. Uh, that, that program has really taken off over the past few years. Also, Academy of Western Artists Award winner. So, uh, I mean, this music is is. Uh, Original, it's great. It's uh, it still resonates with people. Well, thank you. I realize that uh, there is such a need for traditional country music out there. I mean, new traditional country music. There's not a thing in the world wrong with all the traditional acts. I love them. But, you know, folks would like to hear something new, but they want to be able to connect with that music. Yeah. They want to be able to hear that steel guitar that yeah. that means to them, so much to them, some fiddle, some three-part harmony, maybe a storyline that, kind of represents their life a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to write songs and and in the direction that, you know, that I have a familiarity with, whether it's the farm, whether it's honky tonks, heartache, cheating, the real ways of life that you don't really hear. I, I, I like putting emotion back into the music. I, that, I think that's what's really missing in today's music. They've taken emotion out of it. Yeah, no depth and no storytelling. I think there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. Man, well, I can, I can tell you, folks, if uh, if you're listening for that and you're looking for that, make sure you go check out Richard Lynch because he, he definitely uh, lives up to that. And one, one of the uh, cool things, uh, a couple of the guests that I've had on here uh, in recent months, Bobby Marquez and Bobby Tomberlin, both have had success in working with the Queen of Bluegrass, Rhonda Vincent. And that's uh, another highlight of your career was uh, getting to uh, lay down a track with Rhonda. Yeah, I, I've always been a huge fan of Rhonda Vincent, and uh, our song came our way that I didn't write called Back in Love Again. Nick Nichols is a great songwriter, and uh, he pitched that one to me, and and I, the first time I heard it, I knew that's something I wanted to record. You know, that's rare. You know, I get songs pitched to me often, and sometimes it don't connect with me at all, but that's one of those songs that just hit me as soon as I heard it. And uh, we were fortunate enough to... Uh, reach out to Rhonda, and she agreed to do it with us. And, uh, you know, that really has done a, a big feather in our hat. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, all my heroes, I, I've been so lucky I've got to perform and record with so many of my childhood heroes, David Frizzell, Ronnie McDowell, uh, T. Graham Brown. I, I mean, these guys are just some of my all-time heroes, and I get to call them my friends nowadays. That's, that's pretty special. Yeah. Make sure you uh, a gratuitous plug here. Go back and check the back catalogs of Fast Line Fast Track. We had T. Graham Brown on earlier in the year, and uh, one of our more recent ones, uh, uh, Cagney Frizzell, the nephew yeah. of uh, David Frizzell, uh, out doing his thing. So make sure you go check those out because, uh, man, we want to connect all these dots here and, and really move this genre of music forward. Absolutely. And I'm glad to see some of the younger folks that's taken an interest into the more traditional music. You mentioned Cagney Frizzell. There's others out there. Yeah. I think I think it's really cool once a younger uh, person hears the traditional music, even if they're not familiar with it, that they're curious enough to even ask a little bit, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I did a show recently, and this young lady said, man, I love that song. Did you write that? And I did an Omar Haggard song. I'm like, no, honey, I wish I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Point being, once they get to hear that music, they have a fascination, and they, have, they, they get a connection with at least an interest. Mm-hmm. And if they've got a... Uh, you know, a dad or a grandparent or an aunt and uncle that 
that was always in and around that music. And next thing you know, these guys and gals are talking to these folks. And next thing you know, there's another interest in this music again. So I, I really hope to goodness there's a resurgence. Whether it ever comes to be or not as far as mainstream, I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, I can't fix that. I can't change that. Yeah. I'm going to do my part to do what I can to keep the traditional music alive and well. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a great approach, too. And there's, uh, yeah, for anybody who's curious about it, you know, go back and delve into those archives. You talk about uh, leaning on your, your, your parents and grandparents. YouTube. Go back and check out YouTube, man. There's just a wealth of, of old clips from Merle and from going all the way back to uh, Hank Snow. Yeah, you know that uh, uh, if, if you're really curious about it, and then go back and connect those dots for yourself. Yeah, you know. I mentioned earlier my dad. When I grew up, there was three sizes of records. In our, in our house. There was a 78, so you knew I moved along to my dad. <laughs> and then there was a 45s and the 33 and the thirds. I knew those belonged to mom. Uh. You know, the, what I, the point that I'm getting at is all my life, you know, from Ernest Tubb to Hank Snow to Lefty Frizzell to Hank Williams, all the way through Bobby Bear and Porter Wagner and Mel Tillis, all the way through Keith Whitley. I, I mean, those people have been my idols and what I have leaned to and reached out to, to find reference and to find inspiration from people like them. They're my heroes. I, I, I emulate those guys and I grew up around them guys and gals. And so, you know, I, I, I mentioned being on the farm and um, how much the farm means to me, but the music, in my opinion, is hand in hand with the, the country way of life and the country music on the farm. And the fact that, all my life revolves around something country, whether it's cornbread and soup beans or fishing in the pond or throwing a bale of hay. I just love the country way of life all the way around. And that's why we love this guy. <laughs> and so how do you balance uh, being a farmer and being a country music artist? Well, um, I got I to gotta be lucky. I, I, I got to be honest. I got a brother that helps me out a lot. If we're, you know, we have to be gone for a two or three week run or something, he takes care of the farm and, and, uh, and he, he makes sure he don't take care of the farm to the point where we don't I don't get do any hay. He saves a lot of hay for me. So, <laughs> but I'm lucky. I, I'm able to I'm able to wiggle you know my uh, commitments on the road, and and for the most part I can take care of the the uh, the farm aspect too. My wife's a huge huge help to me. She does so much, you know, aside from the fact of the music, she takes care of bookings and interviews. And we have a manager also that does the same thing, but she does a lot of work there on the farm as well, you know? And I told her one day, I said, you know, I need a little help on the, on the farm. I got to get some hay baled. And she jumped on the tractor and put it in high gear. And all I seen was smoke rolling and bales hitting me in the knees. So, <laughs> So she's a lot of help. I couldn't do it without her. That is incredible. I love it. So what's uh, what, what, what's new for you here for 2020? Got a lot of new songs that I've been writing. Um, we anticipate being in the studio um, probably mid-year, mm-hmm. um, late summer with a new new studio album. And um, I, I'm, I'm so lucky that I'm writing. For some reason or other, I've been having a lot of good inspirations hit me writing these songs. Um, I've got nine written that I'm really proud of. Uh, of the 12, I always put 12 songs on every album I do. So I'm three away from having enough material to do an up-and-coming album. I've been doing some co-writing with my uh, band members, my uh, guitar player, Tim Bennington. We write together, me and uh, 
Tony Williams, the piano player. We've been writing together. And, um, you know, you never know where that inspiration is going to come from. I could be on the tractor. I could be driving down the interstate. I've learned if I don't take that inspiration and write it down right then, it goes away pretty quick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm, I'm doing what I love to do and sharing it with my wife, meeting some wonderful folks out there all over the country that love what we're doing, the traditional country music. So if you want to know more about those tour dates and uh, where to see them or learn more about that music, uh, Richard, where can they go? The best place to find me is to go to richardlynchband.com. So go check that out, and uh, he he's on Facebook and uh, and elsewhere. So uh, fo- follow his career, and uh, man, if you love true traditional country music, uh, the kind that once he gets into Texas, they might not let him back out again. <laughs> they may just keep him there because he he fits right in that, that mold with that that whole Texas set that we love so much. But Richard, man, th- thank you uh, for for coming and joining us. Thank you for supporting Fastline, and uh, man, we just love everything you doing well thank you i love the opportunity and i i got a feeling we'll cross paths somewhere out there again man i sure hope so and uh, you're welcome back on here anytime to share that new music uh, once it comes down the pike we definitely want to hear it but we're gonna go ahead and get him mic'd up and uh, let you hear the sounds of richard lynch hi everybody my name's richard lynch here's a song that uh, i wrote a few years ago awful proud of it the old feed store So 
I'll go ahead and do another one here. My name is Richard Lynch, and this is a song that um, actually hit me while we were doing our radio tour. As a matter of fact, you just never know where that inspiration for a song is going to come from. And we were doing a radio tour from another song at the time called We're American Proud. And a gentleman called me right after the inter interview and said, hey, be expecting a phone call from California. A disc jockey would like to do a, a, a interview with you from California. So we did our little howdy-do's, and he said a few things to me. And during the middle of the interview, and keep in mind, we're driving down the interstate. During the middle of the interview, he said, Richard, as busy as you are, he said, I think the Lord must be traveling with you. And I laughingly said, I'd like to think so. So we talked a little bit more. And he said this next thing to me that I'd never been said before, had been asked before, I should say. He said, Richard, do you mind if we pray on the radio? And at that point, I wrote this song. I've been writing my song and telling my story. My songs played on the radio. I'd been doing interviews around the country, and then one day a DJ asked me, Can I pray with you? He said. If you're hearing my country music, then know 
next song I've never recorded before. As a matter of fact, we just wrote it, and it's not on a it's not on a, a uh, CD or it's not it's it's intended to be one of the songs that we put on our new CD this year. But um, being that we're doing a fast line and from folks that really know about traditional country music they should probably know a, a song I wrote called uh, Cathead Biscuits <laughs> for those folks who don't know what a Cathead Biscuit is it's one that does not come out of a can it's a <laughs> it's one of those things where mom or grandma or an aunt or whatever made a biscuit from scratch and all my life I've heard my dad refer to the that as Cathead Biscuits, so uh, <laughs> I'll do my best to try to remember it for you. My name's Richard Lynch, and this is a song I wrote called Worth Saving, and uh, it's made reference to um, saving and restoring old barns. Tear 
There's so much real country charm in this old barn. And he'd beans and them old dirt floors, old leather tack hanging from a rough saw board. And you can still read that old faded sign. And those were the great traditional country music sounds of Richard Lynch. Please go check out his music at richardlynchband.com. Before we get out of here this week, we want to offer our thoughts and prayers to those affected by the tornado that hit parts of Nashville and surrounding communities. We stand with Nashville, and we hope that if you're in the area, you'll consider lending a hand to someone in need. Or if you're not in the area, you'll consider making a donation to a reputable charitable organization. Well, the days are starting to get longer, and the temperatures are climbing. It won't be long, and Plant 2020 will be here upon us. Have you made all your equipment purchases? If you're in the market, please make your first stop, FastLine.com. Check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. Also, if you're not receiving our print catalog for your state or region, be sure to subscribe today at FastLine.com. And have you subscribed to the FastLine Fast Track podcast yet? Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or iHeartRadio. Also, add our newly updated Spotify playlist to your library for music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show. And be sure to follow Fastline Fast Track on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube to stay up on all the latest happenings with the show, including appearances at farm shows and events nationwide. Next week, we'll have more from Commodity Classic 2020 in San Antonio and the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville. We'll also have the true country sounds of former voice contestant Cody Wickline, live from Hank Snow's Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee. Until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fastline Fast Track, presented by Fastline Media Group. To learn more about Fastline's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit FastlineMediaGroup.com and check out our brand websites, Fastline.com, BigAg.com, and PinkTractor.com. If you have topic suggestions for future podcasts, drop us a line at Brent.Adams at FastlineMediaGroup.com.